Thanks for downloading this episode of the Nerdball Podcast. Fresh off episode 200, we come out with 201 with a bang. Uh, this is a great episode. It starts off with a lot of leadership talk, which as you all know, I love talking about leadership stuff. And then it gets into the uh, Pearsburg Heights community um, dilemma, saga, I don't know what you want to call it, issues. Um, but Leah, the, our guest really, really dives, <coughs> excuse me, really dives deep into that and gives me a perspective of really what's going on because I knew a very base level as you're here in the podcast of what's happening. So to hear, you know, what's happening in this in this community and what has been happening for years and years and years uh, was really eye opening. And if you if you feel like getting involved or want more information, check out the show notes. It's got Facebook page, Instagram, TikTok, email. It's got all that stuff to contact information if you want to get involved. But I want to get right to this episode it, again. Uh, started off with leadership and then really got into the nitty gritty of the Perrysburg Heights community. So if you're so inclined, uh, again, check out the show notes. Uh, again, thanks for downloading. I hope you enjoy the episode. My name is Leah Della Alponce, and this is the Nerdball Podcast. This is the Nerdball Podcast with Lorenzo Melcher. Hello, Leah. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Hey. Um, I, I, we talked before. You're a little tired, so I do appreciate you making time. I I, uh, I never know because uh, nine like works out really well for me because I have kids and a lot of times we're doing things or going places. So whenever I text people like 9 a.m., I'm like, all right, it's, <laughs> it's a 50-50 shot. They're going to be like, no, that's too early. So thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. I feel like I need to get out. I've been listening to a lot of like leadership and uh, podcast and reading some leadership books and um they say that you got to be part of that 5 a.m club <laughs> so um there's progression i've maybe only hit this news maybe now two or three times now it's trying to get myself to the gym because if maybe i can do that maybe i'm gonna have more success with that 5 a.m thing so <laughs> so i, I do want to so a lot of times i ask a question of of what like what have you been nerding out what are you into lately uh, but it sounds like like leadership stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah, leadership. Um, so I took on a new role with my organization. Actually, it all started um, when I moved back to the Perrysburg area more full time. And so I was, um, I founded, uh, we have business resource groups in my organization. And so they had asked me, hey, Leah, we don't have anything here in Northwest Ohio. Mm -hmm. Um can you start something? Cause I did, I sat on um, the Hispanic chamber here in Columbus when I was in Columbus full time. And then I also sat on the American Heart Association board and I did a couple of other stuff here. Volunteer is mainly my thing. If I could get paid for volunteering, I would do that <laughs> all the time. Oh, me too. Me too. I mean, I love every bit of it. So then um, when I went back to Northwest Ohio to the Perrysburg area I was like, okay, I got it. You're right. I got to do something. I got to get out of this you know, work from home setting. And um, so I started to do a business leadership group. Um, we have individual ones. I started the Hispanic leadership group. Now Northwest Ohio has that group, an Asian BRG, an LBGTQ plus BRG. They now have a full inclusion council BRG. They partner with South um, Eastern Michigan. So they work like in the Detroit area and then all through uh, the Northwest Ohio region. So yeah, I was like, I'm a little out of my league a little bit because some of these people have been doing it for, for decades, you know, and I'm, and 
operations for my everyday job. So I was like, can't be that much different. So um, then COVID happened. So mm -hmm. we had to stop a lot of what we were doing and go virtual. So I had to try to engage colleagues because up in Northwest Ohio is completely different from Central Ohio. It is mainly retail driven. So mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of, you know, bigger offices. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. I've, and then they gave me that opportunity and getting a different position in central Ohio. And so it's just been nothing but catching up on leadership. I feel like I'm on a fast track, but because I'm so far behind. I mean, like a lot of these people are, you know, 10, 15 years older than me and have been doing it way longer. So coming in with a fresh perspective is kind of hard, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, I got to figure out what's going on. What was cool back then and what's going on now to try to you know make it happen make it work you so. know a lot a lot of those groups though need um younger leadership or, or younger influence right and, and but you're right there is a balance of a new person coming in with new perspectives but hopefully the leadership that is there is open to that kind of stuff and it sounds like they are because otherwise they wouldn't have let you in in the first place yeah like, exactly hey, yeah <laughs> yeah i always say having a seat at the table is only part of the step you got to be able to have a seat at the table, earn to keep that seat, okay. you know, and then also be able to speak and be recognized for what you're saying, give, give validity to what you're saying. And that's kind of hard, you know, when you are the fresh perspective, mm -hmm. you know, and I, it's challenged me a lot, you know, but I've learned a lot of skills. I've, I got some skills I didn't even know I had. So it's, it's nice to be able to even get the opportunity so now with the opportunity, I definitely got to execute. You know, you're probably, um, it sounds like you're a lot like me as far as like when you are put in these leadership roles, you're not just going to like, if you're in a meeting, you're there for a meeting and you're going to input. Like, like I remember when I became a supervisor, I went to my first supervisor meeting and like, I was already like talking and saying things and like, because that I'm not just, I'm, I'll hear you. Yes. I, I want to hear people, but I also yes. want, I want to give my input because I think it's valuable. And my boss even told me that, you know, we went out to lunch last Friday and he even said like, you know, I can tell in those supervisors meetings that people, people like expect you to say something or to speak up because you can, you do that quite often. And they look up to you, even though you're a newer supervisor, there are, I mean, we're all in reality at the Metro parks, we're all new supervisors. I think the, there's like one or two that have been there for forever, but every other supervisor has been hired, I think within the past three years. So mm -hmm. when you bring in a bunch of newer people, they, they still look for like, quote unquote, a leader of the group. And, and if, if there's an opening that's, I'm going to take that opening. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Um, we actually, so with, you know, we'll get into, you know, what I'm currently doing for my mm -hmm. community, but with that, I have um, had some really great conversations with, you know, individuals in the community setting and then also in my leadership setting of there is a large gap right now with youth of diversity mm -hmm. to come into these, you know, table settings or however you want to put it. And where are we? Where are the older generation and the younger generation doing to kind of give a hand up to that next generation to bring it in so we have more people with fresh perspective? Um, and so we talked about that. We also talk about like, yeah, when I am in a setting, I know some people are probably like, oh, there goes Leah. She, there she goes running her mouth again. Like, here we go, you know? But it's but, expected. But a lot of times it's expected and it's not necessarily negatively they're saying that kind of stuff. <laughs> 
you just had to like if you're not speaking then why are you there you know Mm -hmm. what i mean i feel like if if you're going to be in that type of setting come talk and agree to disagree like we have to have tough conversations in Mm -hmm. order to get somewhere so yeah i'm here for it i I know a lot of my leadership are always like, Leah's always going against the grain. Like she always wants to take, she'll follow the rule, but then she's like, but let's veer here to see what's over here. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I I mean, like you said, they're open to it. So I'm going to take the opportunity. I mean, I'm very cognizant of knowing when I've overstepped boundaries. Unfortunately, sometimes I've stepped, <laughs> stepped on them and not knowing. You know, because you don't, you sometimes you don't know, you know, kind of what the culture is or how to react or, you know, what's appropriate and what's not. Because when I'm in those settings, like you said, I'm giving me. So me is not perfect. Me is not knowing everything that's going on around me. Me is coming in at a time where there may have been people for 15 years and they've been doing it a certain way. I mean, even me now seeing a youth come in underneath me in my everyday job. I have to keep an open mind. And so yeah. that that's hard too. Cause you're like, well, we haven't been doing it that way. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm that person that I complain about every time. <laughs> I, I love that part when they, when they, cause I am really open to ideas as, as a supervisor. And if I have a seasonal come up to me or one of my workers, they go, Hey, uh, we're going to, uh, you asked us to do the, do whatever project, but we want to try it this way. And I've, and I've said it here on the podcast before I, empower my staff to make decisions without having to contact me first, like make a decision. And I tell them like, I got your back. Like if yeah. it doesn't, if it doesn't work out and, and we'll, then we'll fix it. And then we learn. And that's how we would do things. The only time I'm not going to have your back is if you did something unsafe and you knew you knowingly did something unsafe, but other than that, I'll have your back. We'll figure it out. I want to empower them to like, you got to be able to make decisions. You got to be able to say, um, do I need a three inch screw or a four inch screw? Like without calling me or one of the other managers there and you can just make that decision and then live with it. And then we'll, we'll talk about it. I think that's definitely um, some of our upbringing, you know, like, you know, I think our parents allowed us to venture out a little bit. And I think a part of it for me personally is because they don't know. They didn't know at the time. So it was kind of like, I'm going to have your back because I'm your parent. And that's kind of how we have to be in our culture. I mean, I'm not a great delegator. That's always been a fault of mine for my team. And even my team calls me out on it because I'm I'm that open about it. They're all like, Lee, you got to let us learn. They got to let us, you know, you got to let us grow. And even with the community side, like even my own cousin and my own family were like, you got to let other people help. You got to let other people come in. But I think I have a little bit of a fault and not to, you know, have like a Dr. Phil moment with you, but <laughs> I think a fault to it is because I carry the burden of the success of whatever it is I'm doing. And I mm. don't want to bring others down in the sense of not preparing them. And then I think to myself, but again, that's because you don't want to delegate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a catch 22. I'm trying to be protective, but at the same time, I'm not doing anybody any good. So that is part of the reason <laughs> I started leading, you know, listening to some of these leadership skills because I was like, I got to learn how to like make it work, but kind of give it my own twist because I think us as individuals is really what makes people successful is how mm-hmm. we come in with that fresh perspective, how we come in and, and give them the opportunity to do things. So I, I, you're right. You got to let people make 
decisions. And to be honest with you, critical thinking skills are very, very hard to come by, you know, and that's hard to teach. So letting them just get in and get their hands dirty is probably the best way to do that. I I have an assistant at work and she's constantly telling me like half jokingly because it's in her title, but she goes, let me assist you. (laughs) She's always telling me, let me assist you. So I'm working on it. I'm working on it because I'm the same way. Like I, I'm getting better because I I have to, like I have, I have, uh, I'm the supervisor. There's an assistant supervisor and a crew leader. So there's three of us that can manage and do things at the park. And I got to get better. And my, my boss is even saying like, Hey, we, they're here to lighten the load off your plate. So you can think more big picture, which I struggle with too. And, you know, so I just got to get better at that kind of stuff. And the same thing with, I don't know if someone, if I was having a conversation with someone or I just heard it somewhere, um, with my, my Andrea, my wife will ask if she needs, if I need help doing whatever I'm doing, if I'm outside in the yard or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so like, you realize at some point she's going to stop asking if you don't, if you oh. say no all the time. And then like, then it's something bigger, like, like just in the kids too, like the kids are mm-hmm. like, dad, can I help you do this or do that? And, you know, so as much as I want to do things by myself and own things, like I gotta, I gotta, you know, let, let people help just like you. Mm-hmm. When it comes to everyday stuff though, you know what that is? I'm a control freak because I like things the way I like it. Mm. And that's bad. I think any woman would probably agree to that. I'm sure your wife would even say, no, I'm just going to do that because, you know, she probably won't like the way that you do it and to avoid an argument. Well, when I, when I'm home, yeah, yeah. When I'm home in the morning, sometimes I like, uh, I either go in work late or I just have the day off. Because she has the morning routine so down, I don't even, I don't even ask to help. Like, unless she says, Hey, Lorenzo, can you pack their lunch? Or Hey, Lorenzo, can you grab their coats or whatever? Like, I don't get involved. I tried a few times and like, like she, same thing. Like she was, she was like, yeah, do this or do that. And then it kind of throws her off a little bit. And I noticed that and I'm like, all right, well, if she needs my help, she'll ask me if she's running late on something, she'll ask me. But, but if not, I, I do not disrupt the morning routine. <laughs> don't, don't get in the mix. Don't no. stay in your lane. Just autopilot through the day. <laughs> Wait, you say my name? What do you need? I'll help you. Right <laughs> I gotcha. I, I really enjoy lead, leadership um, podcasts. I, I listened to one called uh, Learning Leader Show with Ryan Hawk. He has a bunch of leaders and stuff on there. And because I, that's one big thing for me is I do enjoy leadership and, te- and leadership skills and gaining those skills. And I even went to uh, the parks, the park system in, in the, they have this big thing. Uh, it's called Maintenance Management School where okay. they they send you it's a two-year program for uh, one week a year you go to west virginia this really cool resort called ogle bay and you go and sit through this through the school and and uh the first year is a lot of basic stuff the second year is more like management and leadership and that kind of stuff and, okay you know I, I really enjoyed that and uh i always look for more of that opportunity just to learn not necessarily learn from the school but there's a lot of other people there from all over the country to learn from too there, the um so I listen to a lot of stuff out of California um uh there's a woman's leadership a Latino woman's leadership there is one conference I really have wanted to go to for a while um but it's mainly Latina based um but the cool thing about it is because you know in the culture the Hispanic culture or however anybody wants to say it I'm not offending anybody like whatever you go with yeah, yeah. roll with it but for me, as far as any Hispanic, uh, Latino type, um, you know, podcast, I try to gear towards it because even though I am 
you know, Mexican by descent, you know, there's an indigenous part of all of us in some way. Um, but I want to get a different perspective on how things work in other states, other locations, you know, geographically, I think makes a big difference because you get a different idea because things are done differently in those locations. So I'm trying to like get a different take on stuff. And that's why I kind of like lean more towards that West Coast style. Mm. Um, you know, it's kind of, kind of feel like I'm, you know, in the Latino Hispanic culture of like, you know, Biggie versus Tupac kind of deal. You know what I mean? Like, you know, going yeah. on the West Coast, you know, leaving my Latinos over here on the East Coast. But, um, you know, so just to try to get some sort of perspective. Like, I, I was very fortunate when I lived in Columbus uh, that I was able to meet like a lot of people of diversity. And to be honest with you, Lorenzo, like where we grew up, it's like mainly Mexican descent. It's mm -hmm. you're very few and far between more different now. I agree. But I, I just think that you don't have like that Argentinian, that Salvadorian, that Peruvian. You And here in Columbus, I was like, whoa, not, you know, not everybody's Mexican. I, I'm going to tell you, I was, you know, yeah. that ignorant person sure. because of where I grew up geographically. So I think now because of that, I've tried to like make those connections to try to see like the differences between our cultures and try to learn how they do things. Because even though there's a, there's a base um, it definitely is different for everybody. Um, and I'm not just saying in Latino culture, it's in every culture. I mean, anybody can get together. We're all individuals, but like to see the differences of where our roots are and, you know, where we come from, that's, you know, that's, that's big. So I've been trying to listen to a lot more of the West coast style to kind of hear stuff. Plus there's so much more out there, so much more. And, um, not that I want to drive everything I do in that, you know, Hispanic setting. I love to be in different settings. I mean, right now I've been working with um, a lot of the uh, political leaders for like the young Dems and the African-American young Dems. Um, I've worked and, and, and before anybody says anything, like I work with everybody, like Democratic, Republican, individual. Like, I mean, we don't I do not like I don't want just one perspective. I want everybody's perspective. I want to, not that I'm going to please everybody because I'm still going to probably go with what I believe is right and what's the best thing to do for the situation I am in. And I feel that we should all do that. But um, for the most part, I try to like get a perspective of everybody because at the end of the day, sometimes it's the same. And it's just a different way and a different way of, speaking it in a different way or saying it in a different way. You know, I'm sure, you know, as a manager, sometimes you have to give direction to people while it's the same and it's repetitive differently for individuals. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing when it comes to politics, you know, well, I yeah. just, so you're saying, and you know, and the crazy part about it though, is I will tell you that the order of the generation in politicians is, um, they're more conservative. And I'm, I'm like, great, you know, go ahead. You know, I, I would say that I'm probably a mix of everything. You know, I'm conservative in a lot of decisions that I make, but I'm also, because I believe in, you know, what's right, you know, it's wrong. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If it's wrong, it's wrong. <laughs> Sometimes we have to pick, unfortunately, the better, the lesser of the two evils. So that puts me in the medium. And then sometimes I just am like, 
eh, I don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I can be liberal too. So it's, <laughs> I'm not definitive in anything that I do. And so it's been rough because I've been in a lot of settings where people are like, weren't you just at a blah, 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 you know, fundraiser? Uh, okay. And it's just like, yeah, but why are you defining me that way? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't even know me as an individual. That was and one thing I did. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you, I mean, so we're not allowed to be around people that we don't share like likes with. Like, that's not, that's not right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to respect people as long as they respect me. You know, um, it's that, you know, you know, that that's why my dad doesn't want to get Facebook. It's because oh. he he doesn't want to see like friends or relatives or people that, you know, what they post because oh. we we sh- like tell him things that our friends and stuff post. And he's like, that's why I don't want to. I just want to know the person. And if he yeah. treats me well, he or she treats me well, then we're cool. You know, because yeah. 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 if you get all that extra information, it is very hard to be friends with someone if they're way on one side and you're way on the other side. Like you forget what initially brought you guys together. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard. So there's this story. I have to find it and give it to you, like send it to you in email. But it was a story about a guy and a, these two guys who were talking at a coffee shop. Um, Maybe it was a bar, but either way, mm-hmm. they were speaking, but they were different. And they totally just like started a conversation and they both went like this with their opinions. Mm-hmm. And it became into like this heated argument. And then over time, they end up becoming the best of friends. Yeah. And it was because they literally just needed to talk to one another. I think the biggest thing that we, so for me, I have a problem with getting, um, people say I have like a little bit of a flair to me, like a Latina flair. I like to call it passion. Um, (laughs) I uh, speak with a lot of passion um, and things. I'm very passionate about things. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we get to that, it's hard to control your emotions and just listen to what people are saying. I think the best advice I ever got from one of my managers uh, before they retired was don't put, don't listen to the tone. If you're in front of the person, don't take a tone in an email. Listen to what the instruction is or what they're trying to relay mm-hmm. and make a decision. That's hard. Treating yourself how to be like that is extremely hard. And I think growing and improving. I, my So your dad is like on the same boat with how my mom was. She She does not like, you know, when we put certain stuff on Facebook, she's like, before cookies was a thing on our computers, my mom's the cookie in the family. Like she's like, uh-uh, restricted. You know what I mean? Like, she <laughs> what um, you know, when my dad was really ill, she was huge about, I don't want nobody to know. I don't want you to be putting stuff on Facebook. This is not a sympathy thing. I don't want people to feel obligated to come. But again, culturally, it's a different mindset. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I respect it. I do. I respect anything that she says. I know recently with my community stuff, I've gone a little bit against the grain. It's actually, um, striked a lot of conversations within her friends because my mom was in the school system, not Perrysburg itself, but she worked for Head Start for Mm -hmm. over 43 years. Um, and she started there with no college education. Um, she was behind four years in school because of her language barrier. 
um, but she stuck with it. And mm -hmm. at that time you were able to, you know, which I, I really think we should try to get creative to do some of the stuff of, um, now is that she was able to get her education while she was in the classroom setting. And I know there's some similarities to that now, but it was a little bit different. It was like, you work towards a certificate, you renewed that certificate, and then you, as you went on, you got credit for some of that experience. And then you went to school. So like when we were in high school, my mom was in college, mm, like wow. 50 some years old, like going to school. And I mean, we would be sitting down doing homework together yeah and it was weird because I was helping her she was helping me um but like she did not she did not want social media because she was like these people like some people don't like when you know I say this or I said that and a lot of that too was just because of dialect she just couldn't relay a lot of times what she was saying and she mm -hmm. speaks perfect English I mean for the love she she taught for so long but it it you're right social media isn't what it was back when it started. So I remember Facebook when I was here at, at OSU with my friends, it was totally like, Hey, you were part of this, you know, fraternity chapter in such and such state. And we want to get together and hang out. Yeah. It's no longer that it has yeah. become a situation. Of, and I, I believe in freedom of expression clearly, because I'm sure you've, <laughs> you know what I mean? but at the same time, it's like, where do you find the happy medium? Cause you're not going to please everybody. But your dad is right. It's like you should know people for who they are mm -hmm. before you make any type of judgment. I think that should always be something that you do. I mean, yeah. I'm with your dad. Now, my dad doesn't have it just because he's like, I don't know what buttons to push. I don't <laughs> yeah. know what for, for years, my dad would just look at a computer and like, do I, what do I do? Push the big bar? And that, <laughs> yeah. that was the extent of you know, you, you mentioned um, you, you're, you and your mom, like you maybe posted more things than than she would like or singing more things i had a conversation with my dad too where when my grandma was alive she lived um in a nursing home and there was an it was during covid you could only go in there you got to sign this paper or whatever only certain people and this woman was giving my dad a hard time about it and my dad was telling me i go dad that that woman was being racist towards you like you understand it? he goes i do understand that i go so why didn't you say anything he's like because it's just gonna i'm gonna end up being the bad guy like if i say something but he also grew up where if he said something you know, he'd get, he, he could get killed or, you know, he'd get hurt or there'd be a fight or whatever. And I, and I had, to, we've had conversations too, where I had told my dad, I was like, dad, it's not like that anymore. I was like, mm -hmm. you can say stuff. And and I was angry at him for not saying something. I remember, I still remember vividly, we were just standing in my garage having this conversation. And I was like, and I was angry with him that he didn't like speak up for himself because like, I, and I want to tell him like, it's different now, dad, like you can do that. Yes. Is it exactly where we think it should be? No. But it's better, you know, better than it was. And, and it, it's it's probably hard, you know, hard for your mom and probably hard for my dad when when there are times when we do say those kind of things like, oh, my God, what's going to happen to him? Because they're not they're worried about you or, or he's worried yeah. about me. Right. Of what's going to happen to them in their career or in their life or because they said this one thing. And and, you know, there's some val validity to what they're saying, but also like there's change. There's change yeah. happening. And it's 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 better. So I think that um, that's kind of why me and you are in the positions that we are is because we are that voice now. We're their unheard voice. We get that opportunity to speak up. I mean, so I'm going to give you a scenario. Uh, racism is serious. Like 
even unconscious bias is something that should be addressed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and I, I believe that even for myself, because I believe in sometimes, you know, I'm sitting in, in groups and I don't even realize that I'm being unfair. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but you're right. So we were at, this just happened like two days ago. Um, we were at a restaurant located in Sylvania. Um, we were watching football and, uh, there was a group of people behind us and they were all drinking, you know, having a good time, whatever, you know, you're a sports bar. Um, and one of the guys out loud, I was there with my nephew. So let me give you a little bit of context, but I was there with my nephew. He is African-American descent, partially Hispanic, African-American. And the gentleman behind us said the N word with the hard R mm. in reference to the football players. Um, I, you would have been mad at me because I didn't even know what to do. Yeah, I didn't even know what to say. I knew I had to address it, but I didn't know how. He immediately got up, went into the guy's face, and Your he nephew? was like, oh, yeah, don't say stuff like that. That's inappropriate. And while I wasn't proud of him for standing up, I also knew I had to de-escalate the situation. Mm -hmm. Um. But Lorenzo, I was speechless because I didn't even realize how bad it was. Now, when we were in school, and I don't think I've ever told you this, we have a teacher that still is there today that has made a couple of racial comments towards me when I was in school. And um, that was hard. I mean, it made me not want to go to school like a lot, you know, and uh, I never stood up for myself. And then the one time I did, whew. I got so much backlash. That was probably the only time I ever was in the principal's office at school. And I didn't even go and see our main principal. I went to see Mrs. Peterman, our mm -hmm. assistant principal. Mm -hmm. And um, she was like, this is out of your character. Like I've never, and I was like, cause I'm tired of it. I'm yeah. tired of it. But the problem is, is it that older mentality of what your dad was talking about of sweeping it under the rug, being submissive, you know, and just disregarding it because you know the person you are, I should have probably took that high road. You know what I mean? In that situation, because I was a child, I shouldn't be talking to adults like that. Um, but you're right. So it's like certain things trigger me, but I don't realize how bad it is until, you know, you're faced with it. And then when you do, it's like, what do you do in that situation? Yeah. I had no idea what to do, you know? So sometimes I kind of feel like we can be, I'm not throwing you in this bucket, but sometimes we can also be not cognizant at that time. Like we're just stunned by the comments or the yes. things happening around us that we don't even react. But I was so glad I didn't react with my passion, as I like to call it, because I probably <laughs> would have been in a lot more trouble. But it's hard. It's really hard. And the worst part about it is this is my experience. I'm speaking from my experience. I experience that more at home than I do in Columbus. Even just going into the mall mm -hmm. at, there, sometimes I've had people that are like, that'll follow me around at H&M. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I actually, I had a conversation with the kid who was doing it because I understood as an adult that that's their job. 
that's they're being instructed, right? They're being they're they're training by people like me and you in the positions that we're. Sure. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I have to be understanding of that. But when I got up to him, you know, I was asking him, you know, and he's like, I was so uncomfortable doing it. And I knew you recognized it. You know what I mean? He was confident of why I was feeling. And he goes, and I felt bad. And I thought to him, and I told him, I said, that's because you're a good person. Yeah. That's because you knew that it was, it was not, while you were doing a task to prevent something from happening, I guess. Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Or shall we say like in the term, allegedly. (laughs) it you know I couldn't fault him I yeah. could not fault him for that and um we we had a good conversation I ended up talking to him for like 20 minutes I'm oh. sure the lady behind me was super pissed because I was just <laughs> there <laughs> I felt I felt like I needed to say something I felt like I needed to to talk to him mm-hmm. and have a conversation you know and I, he walked away and it was great and so now when I go to H&M I see him every once in a while and he's all like he waves <laughs> <laughs> Well, I well, shouldn't be an agent of anyway, because I'm like, you know, almost 500 years old now, but I was <laughs> I needed a basic t-shirt. So it's like, I'm not paying, you know, $45 for sure. at yeah. thirds or JC. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. all, all, all this, all this leadership and fire and passion um, really leads into what I take as um a big it's a main you're like one of your main things right now is what's going on at the Parisburg with the Parisburg Heights community so 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 my my base knowledge of this is is a I, ever since I moved to Parisburg like I I understood Parisburg Heights and what it was it's very similar to where my dad grew up um my, I know my dad's town is a little bit bigger but it's it's very similar like demographically um you know how it's set up everything and it it whenever i drive through there because my daughter does baton at that community center there mm-hmm. and it it has never been my home but i feel like driving through it was like man this feels like welder which is my dad's hometown was a welder i was like mm-hmm. this is what it feels like and I mean, it's comfortable there and um so my base knowledge is it, it from what i understand is the city is trying to annex perrysburg heights community so actually the city the has township? Yeah. So we are township. Let's, yeah. let's okay. start there. We're township. Okay. Um, we are surrounded by the city. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to some people at the Department of Justice at a at a local level and also at a state level. And technically that's supposed to not be allowed. I don't know. So don't hold me to it. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure we'll get some people to correct me on that. But what I'm gonna say is we are township. Um so Basically, what happened was during COVID, uh, the city started to have, um, they had to recreate a land use plan. Land use plans are created throughout every area, at some at five-year increments, some at 10. That's usually, you know, the, the time periods. And it's basically of an assessment of what the future, what the projection of the future is. Um, so along 25, so, so everybody understands along 25, which is Dixie highway, so you got Levis on one side and then you got on the other side, you know, little strip malls. Um, I guess you could say, or, you know, retail strips, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. That is city. That is city. Um, long time ago when the community was founded, you know, in 1943, um, what is it? 19, no. 
May. So it was in May, we were 1923, August yeah, 11th. Yeah, said 100 years, right? So yeah, 19, yeah, because we're celebrating our 100 year. Oh mm. my goodness, my mathematicians. Ooh, not math in this <laughs> Um, so August 11th, 1923 was when the Heights was founded. So all those people that built there in that area were migrant workers. A lot of people don't even know that it wasn't just Mexican-Americans. It was Irish, too. Um, my family was one of the some people were there right when it started my my mom and dad's family actually traveled a lot. So my aunts and uncles are born in a lot of states because they migrated all around. So they yep. landed in Perrysburg Heights as the last one. So over off of Five Point Road, where they now have, I think it's like an assisted living. I think St. John's um, Catholic Church is over there now. Yeah. So that, if you go further down going into, um, and don't, east, west, north, south, not my jam, sorry. Um, so when you're going down the, on Five Point that way, there used to be um, migrant farm there. East, and, that's east, by the way. Just so you, <laughs> you know, like it's so when you when you go down there, there were there was a migrant farm, and I don't know if you can still see them. I think there's still like some of the little smaller housing that's there. Okay. Um, so my parents worked the lands all around that area. And then the farmer who owned the 90 acres of what the Heights was then, um, he started to sell the lots to the people that were working the land. Mm -hmm. And so some of them bought them at a dollar a lot. And so my parents, my grandparents built homes there. So a lot of those homes aren't, they can't be historical because a lot of people are like, oh, you guys can claim historic. Well, we can't because they're makeshift homes. So they're not, and not all of them are what, you know, some housing should be. It's, it's no different than you going into another community that's older, like East Toledo or West Toledo, where a lot of those houses don't have up to code items because that was just not what was required back then, you know? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of these homes are not that way. A lot of people are like, oh, it's a mobile park. Well, while it started as some of the houses of mobile, I like to educate people and tell them, well, you know what? Our community center was a mobile home too, because it was, <laughs> it was a construction trailer before yeah. we built the facility. So the, so the housing there is a little bit different. Um, so what ended up happening is during COVID, the city decided to um, do a land use plan. Uh, the land use plan literally, and if you look it up, on you type in Perrysburg Heights community, mm -hmm. you will see the land use plan that they had projected. It was putting in what they called um, affordable living, which I don't know if anybody knows, but the average affordable living housing in Perrysburg, the average is 275 to 325 for housing. So $275,000 to $325,000 is the average. That is- really. Yes, that is the average. And that's in the land use plan. That data is in the land use plan. So what they did is then they they basically, in conversation in some of the council meeting calls, which anybody can look up, the, the uh, zoning administrator makes the comment of, well, we looked at it as a blank slate. The heights yes. where people live. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I also Gross. have 
I'm on recording in my own when we met after the fact, which I'll get there. So he says, we looked at it as a blank slate. If you look at it, it puts a park in the middle of our neighborhood mm -hmm. and housing around it of that average to low to moderate income housing, which is 325 to 275. Yeah. So I'm sitting in this meeting and hardly anybody's at this first council meeting. Okay. So I became wind of it. So I have been in the mortgage industry for over 16 years in Columbus. I've done everything underwrite processed for relocation companies. I've done um, closing. I mean, when the housing market dropped, I was in, I was in the mortgage world. So I have some familiarity prior to this, I was in title for homes. So I know a lot about and easements and et cetera, and meets and bounds. I've worked with a lot of surveyors. I've had a lot of friends, you know, that I've had good connections with. That's kind of how I got the job where I'm at today is because yeah. we were a smaller group that worked for this larger company. So anyway, they were doing this and I'm looking at this stuff and I'm thinking to myself, you're projecting in the next 10 years, this is what this community is going to look like. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's reverse. <clears throat> when I was a kid, I remember going to, this isn't the first time we've been fighting. This has been constant. I mean, constant. I didn't since, know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been a long time. So we have, if you look up articles, there are some from the early nineties where the city talks about annexation. And how they're going to restructure the neighborhood. If we were to be annexed, we are not historical. So we wouldn't fall in the bracket of what downtown Perrysburg is. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how do you how do you have the conversation then? Because you're going to now implement all these things that the city requires that the township doesn't. You're not going to be able to do that without, you know, fines and do, you know, certain things. These people... I don't think that, and this is my opinion, we have progressed a lot. Like there's, th this neighborhood is generation. Yeah. So uh, we're talking like even my generation lives there and older generation, like the in-between generation between, so generation X and millennials are still there. Mm -hmm. They don't have, they're not, they're not, not all of them are low to my, in the lower bracket. They are middle-class citizens. The only difference is a lot of my cousins have inherited this property and they look at me and they're like, why would I go anywhere else? I got a good school system. I'm taking yeah. care of my home. I'm doing what I need to do for my family. They're living within their means, which is what we've been taught our whole entire life in my community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the other thing is, is that, so when they were doing this land use plan, they, they, they did this and I'm sitting here and I'm at awe. Because of the way that Perrysburg, the city of Perrysburg, just put this out there like that, it's a slap in the face. It is like straight up, you are no longer existing. You are not a community. I don't care if you agree with them or not. What I ask is people put themselves in that position of how would you feel? If somebody just wiped you out. Yeah. Like that's not fair. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to, so I'm sitting there and I'm just listening. I'm not saying anything, but I am so astonished. If anybody wants to go listen to that council meeting, please do. I am so astonished at how people are speaking. Now, my mom and dad experienced more 
issues back in the day. Mm -hmm. So when I said, let's, you know, rewind. So in the early nineties, there was issues about annexation. So even when we were in high school, Lorenzo, I was going to meetings and counting and in city and township because of all this stuff going on. So I, I may not have felt that way as a kid, but at the end of the day, my own parents were still fighting to be able to keep a home where they wanted it to be. And how do you do that? Like you're constantly not putting all these stressors on these people for like living, like yeah. they need a place to live. In. So then, um, so that was in the early nineties in the fifties, it was the same, um, in the, between the fifties, sixties and seventies, it was, um, not the neighborhood that it is today. I'm going to give everybody that. I'm sure everybody can go off of what they want to say about it and people know yeah. the history of it, whatever. I'm not, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to deny it. It is what it is. Yeah. Now, in the 90s, um, people in Perrysburg uptown used to reference the Heights as Machete Heights. And I, that's that's an article too that's in the, um, the library. There's a whole article about Machete Heights. Um, we were talking about not being a part of something. We called it racism. I'm going to call it what it is because I'm not going to be unapologetic for the way that I feel about it. Mm-hmm. It is racist. It's unjustice. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if Perrysburg has on their websites, a welcoming community. How? You don't feel how? that. Yeah. No. Make it make sense. And so there's a whole thing that when we sign for credit cards, it's an asterisk and it's got little tiny print and then everybody like speed reads over it. Like, let's do that then. Yeah. (laughs) Um, How, how, uh, if people, so I'm just playing devil's advocate. If someone, someone sees that plan and goes, but Leah, look what they're doing to the neighborhood. They're going to make it beautiful. And it's going to have a park and it's going to have all these houses. Like, why wouldn't you want that? For face value, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. What are you going to do with all those people that are there now? Yeah. So, and, and even if they say, well, they're not going to kick them out. No, but you build one, like the current house, the, the current triplex that's being built. You build one, everybody around you is going to start getting squeezed out by taxes. Yeah. It's going to be then, if it's not taxes, then it's going to be a battle of, okay, well, now these people are deceased. How are they passing on their home? And then, so the majority of investors want to be there. So let's go. So, so then Levis came in, right? Yeah. Even the people who built Levis, which I don't know if anybody knows this, but the people who built Levis also built Easton in Columbus. Okay. So um, they built Levis and Levis was like, no, that's fine. Leave them alone. Like they're good. That's an article that's out there too. Perrysburg has always tried to see what they could do. I mean, let's be honest. You just said it. It's prime land. Yeah. It's prime land. Mm-hmm. That money. So to me, the reason why I fight is because it should be up to my community to earn the benefits, just like any other community. Yeah. If they choose to sell, that is their, that is their, that's their right. I'm not stopping anybody from that. What I'm saying is nobody should force you into a conversation where therefore you make a decision that isn't financially beneficial for you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause you're right. It, it is, it is, um, 
one thing because when we built the metro park that i managed down in uh east toledo now oh, yeah. that was that was our main thing too is like all right what do what are we doing to prevent gentrification of the neighborhood across the street across front street like there's houses all over the place there there's they've been there for forever and to our credit we've been doing as much as we can to help that community you know it's and and even later of the construction um contractor that we use two years in a row they held building um they held community projects where for for two days like whole streets and houses were getting like hey they basically knocked on the doors like hey what do you need what, what can we help you with and we were painting houses doing concrete landscaping mowing like doing all these things you know because we again we don't want people to be forced out now if, again if they if they decide to sell their home because someone's offering them all this money you know so be it but we we don't want that either like we want them to stay there and en enjoy this park and enjoy what we built for them like this is their park it's in east toledo so it is a, it is a big thing to be like yeah all this stuff is nice and then what about them well we'll just we'll just say here's some money and they'll go away yeah. like it's not always what people want no and and to be honest with you <coughs> i have a feeling that even if they went on with the plan and the other discussions that I've had privately with uh, with political local political leaders. The goal would even to be to build more apartments and yeah. build other stuff there. So so while I say to you, you asked me the question of you know what would I say to people like that? I would say I agree with you of looking at something at its face value because that's yeah. that's essentially what you're doing. You're looking at the picture and saying it's fantastic, and I can't tell you that you're wrong for that. What I can tell you is that <clears throat> eminent domain should not be something that's, yeah. I mean, it's a constitutional protection. You can't do that. And so like when city council was like, oh, well, we're not doing eminent domain. We're not doing eminent domain. As the meetings continued and continued and continued, there is one meeting that the mayor himself says when I say to him and what my, and one other, uh, people from not just my neighborhood, but of his own constituents say to him, so are you saying eminent domain is on the table? He said, well, yeah, they all agreed, which we knew, yeah. but they denied it up front because they couldn't handle the pressure that they were getting. That's just what it is. Yeah. And the reason how I know that is because I know two people that were political leaders at that time that even told me, Leah, they were not expecting for you to come up and start to speak and have some sort of awareness to what was happening. And they couldn't get their political campaign right, which is what it's called, right? A political, yeah. you gotta have your, you gotta all be on the same page. When somebody comes in and ruffles the grain or goes against the grain or ruffles a feather, you're gonna lead off of emotion and you're not even prepped for that. That's, I mean, why are new attorneys, why are attorneys, you know what I mean? You gotta be yeah. prepped. Yeah. To be able to come in and know how, okay, you're probably going to hear this and you're probably going to hear that. You got to focus on this, you know, and we and, talked and, a little and for about people. Yeah. And for people who don't know, just in case eminent domain is just basically a municipality coming in saying, no, we're going to take that property. Yep. That, that's and, then the, and then the people don't get anything from it. Yeah. So now you got, so generationally, like I told you, this, this neighborhood is generationally while there are millennials and Gen X that live there today. Um, with this land use plan, ironically, this is this is where I start to be like, okay, you all can't, you guys can tell anybody what you want, but I know the truth. Mm -hmm. This is a money grab. 
they've I can almost guarantee you there's already a deal that has been made for this neighborhood and they got to follow through with it and, and I'm trying gonna to tell figure you out and they're yeah and they're trying to figure out how to make it happen yep and I'm gonna tell you how I how I feel why I feel that that is the best assumption yeah when we when the neighborhood started to cycle out when people were passing away because of age mm-hmm. you know some of those people didn't have you know, generations that pass, you know, to pass it on. And if they did, those generations didn't live here anymore. So we had investors come in. Investors, and anybody can look up this, the Secretary of State, there are LLCs that currently have agents who are working in political nature in the city of Perrysburg and in the township. Hmm. Um. When the land use plan went into effect, I thought it was very ironic that at that time, a council member, Corey Coleman, and his brother, Joel Coleman, who is a um, judge in Wood County, mm-hmm. they acquired land. They purchased land. That's all in. You can look all that up in the county. Everything mm-hmm. is there. Mm-hmm. They purchased land during this period of time. Our township, one of our township trustees also has land in the community. Louisville Title also has land in the community. All these people are photographed together. All these people hang out with each other. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you that also when I brought it to their attention, nobody denied it. Mm. Nobody denied it. And that's all recorded and public on the Perrysburg City Council website. Nobody denied it. The, I said, I don't think it's by convenience that you all have acquired this property. And again, I am not upset that my neighborhood decided to sell, but these guys lowballed them. Sure. I mean, look at how much it is. Sure. I mean, they lowballed them tremendously. We even had a community person working with other people who they all hang out with each other. And now all of a sudden, this person has land in our community. <laughs> so they're buying lots at a time. We have people, and, and, and again, like, listen, Lorenzo, this is just my honest opinion. They're not going to stop. I was just going to say, do, do, do you think it's just a matter of time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I think, and, and the worst part about it is what makes me upset is that you're coming in and you're doing it in a way that's just not right. And the fact that you're okay with it says a lot about you. And I don't, I'm not a, I am not a voting constituent of Perrysburg. Mm -hmm. But how can people be advocating for my community using the community center and not thinking about the political leaders that they have trying to only gain for themselves. Because here's the thing is where does it stop then? Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of other older neighborhoods in the city limits of Perrysburg. So is that going to start being a thing for them? Because they're located by a lot of commercial development. Is that going to be now a conversation for them? Because if you look at it, look behind Kroger, that whole that whole land piece there, one of the trustees who works for the realty company that's there sold it they're building more apartments 
What is the main thing people complain about in Perrysburg? Taxes and school levies. Mm-hmm. Why is nobody holding these elected officials accountable in the sense of if they're doing economic development and keep developing the area, they're not even worried about the school system then. Yeah. So how are we getting the best for our community as a whole? So this isn't like when I said in my video, this isn't just about the heights. This is this the heights is bringing to light what is really happening in all around of us. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not going to stop and and so when I was in the council meeting Tim McCarthy looked at me and said I have no idea what you're signing up for but you're signing up for something cuz he I was going to be like a liaison between township and and city. Uh-huh. The worst part about it is when we were fighting for the whole land use plan situation and we brought to light that Corey was, you know, had vested interest technically by law he would have to abstain from anyone and the law director told him oh well you can vote over the whole plan you just can't vote for heights well you can't do that you're not taking it out you're putting it together yeah well then that law director resigned (laughs) the city administrator resigned currently right now the city is still being investigated for other stuff. There is so much stuff going on. And I'm going to tell you right now, Lorenzo, this made me think to myself, is there any good people out here in this world? Mm -hmm. And even like, even people in the city limits, Lorenzo, like, you know, over by the Hall Prairie school. Yeah. There was a constituent that came in there. Well, there was two. There was two that came in there. And this was during our land use plan talk because they were like, so you're going to do this to them. So then is our park there? Because we're paying HOA dues to go to the city for a park for our neighborhood that you guys never even built in our neighborhood when you said you were going to do it. Mm. So where's all that money going? You know, it's, it's unfortunate because even people are starting to, I, I call it a wake up movement in Perrysburg. We're part of that wake up movement. Whether people want to give us, it's not, you know, it's not even about giving us credit. It, I'm literally bringing to light what is happening. We got to, there's people in Perrysburg who use the community center. And I'm going to just say this, we, my committee is not associated with PhD. We do not work. We work in conjunction and we partnership on things for the neighborhood, but we mm. are not under them. We are our own thing. Okay. And the <clears throat> reason why I say that is because I even kind of gave them, I even kind of went to the board meeting and held them accountable because I was like, none of you guys are there. None of you are advocating for the community in which the center was built for. Yeah. What's I'm the like, point of what's the point of the center if there's no community? Exactly. Yeah. So I, so I literally said this to them. I said, unless you are on the same boat as everybody else in the city of Perrysburg Council, okay, and in the township, are you guys on the same boat that one day the the only thing that'll be in this community center for this community will be a plaque and it'll say in memory of Perrysburg Heights community? Yeah. Wow. Or am I going to be? Are we going to be on a bench? Because this year. And I'm this year we while we had sponsorship and we had the festivals and stuff to to raise money for our community center to build that. Yeah. 
while that was happening and people were donating, I thank many people for doing that because I benefited a lot from that community center when it was what it was when I was a kid. I I thank so many people for that. But a lot of that, like, I don't know if people even know that, like, the only food tent that existed at the at the festival for a little while was my mom and all the older ladies that were in the neighborhood. They were called the church ladies. They, the ones that helped, they made all the food for the three days of that event. And they got, the community center would, you know, let them, you know, rent out certain rooms and they would do certain things like go to the movies and play bingo and stuff like that. But they donated their time. Yeah. You know, I'm passionate about not just my, I'm passionate about my community as a whole, but I feel like we're all, like every entity around us is like kicking at us, mm-hmm. you know? And and while I say to you that I feel that they won't stop and that it's inevitable, I'm not going to be here in a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Well, God, at least I hope not. Um, and I know that it'll change, but I don't want it to change if it doesn't need to. Correct. I want it to evolve. Yeah. I want it to be a place where everybody, that community was founded. And I know it kind of went off on a tangent. That community was founded by people who came to this country and worked that land for a better life mm-hmm. and to better a life for their kids. Everybody, I don't care what color you are, where you come from, Everybody should have a right to great education and a safe environment and a home that they can afford. Mm-hmm. Everybody deserves an opportunity to better themselves. It is their choice if they choose not to. That community is what it is. That community is a place of opportunity. And to take that away is crazy. If Perry, if the city of Perrysburg and the township, because I, I, I haven't even talked about township, if the township cared, we could be a place of innovation. Mm-hmm. If we work together, that community itself could be a place where people from California, Arizona, Texas, Montana, I don't care where, could use it and say, these people are doing this. These, This city and this township believed in this community and they want to better it and they want to give an opportunity. They want to have low to moderate income housing, not because of a gain to be a, a judge or a new political leader or something, or get yeah. a, get something for it. They're doing it because they believe that everybody deserves an opportunity. And how are they doing it? They're working with the community to better the community to bring houses up to code, to bring homes to that area where people can afford and have that opportunity. Now, listen, we talked about it in a minute. I'm not about always handouts. I'm about hand ups mm. because I believe that handouts kind of get to the point where it's expected yeah. sometimes. And I don't want people to be like, okay, you know, well, we got, we, we need more. We got to learn how to, how to have people do that critical thinking we're talking. We got to have people to do those steps to better themselves. Sometimes we got to let them go and they're going to, they're going to fall and we're going to be there to pick them up. To me, that's what my community is. 
-hmm. My community has always stood behind whoever is there to better it. And some people will say, well, yeah, because they they stood uh, they stood behind people and look at what they did to the community center. Look at what they did. The point is this. We're human. Mm -hmm. We make mistakes. We entrust in people we shouldn't. It happens in everybody's everyday life. We trust things and we trust people because we want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But you can't fault them because they fell to something that was happening that they had no knowledge about. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. Um, as a first, so first of all, um, thank you for, for teaching me all about this stuff. Cause I, again, I knew very baseline knowledge of like what's happening in this community and, and what they're trying to do. Um, is there something that you would like people to anybody who listens to this, either like a website or this, or just something that they could go to, or is there some place um, that you could send them or what, what would you like people to take from this? What I, what I ask is that while face value items are, are the best and I want everybody to make a judgment based on what they feel is right. Okay. So we are, my committee is the Heights Heritage Committee and we are a group of, of community members and also um, some of the members, uh, family members who don't live in the community center anymore. But our goal right now, what we're working towards, which is kind of, um, we saw me with Marcy Kapner. I yeah. had an opportunity there to speak with her. Um, I will tell you that she also repeated three times in the conversation of when I was telling her what was going on. She literally said to me three times, this is very concerning that this is happening at a local level. This is very concerning that local municipalities are doing this. Yeah. She said that three times, even when we were talking about education. Sure. Um, and uh, so I told her about our, our um, Facebook. We do not have a website up. I'm trying to figure out how to do it. I was just going to put one up and just put it up, but I think we need to have a portal for residents and a portal for people who are supportive of our community so mm -hmm. they can kind of see the things because everything that we do in partnership with PHCA, it's welcome to all. Yeah. So Heights Heritage Committee is what's on Facebook and you can follow that page. I put up there the township meeting stuff, anything that has to do with our community center that's happening in the city or in the township. Um, so that way people know like, it's a timeline for them yeah, to be okay. only specifically about certain things that are happening. And I do try to caption it like this is, this involves us, or this is just the general agenda and et cetera. Um, because the township doesn't have website as great as the city does. Um, but uh, so they can follow us on our Facebook page. Um, when we do partnerships with PHCA, just so you know, a lot of that comes out of my committee's pockets like it's literally just all of us putting money together to do it so like your guys's family was so amazing to help us last year to do our christmas lighting contest for the neighborhood when we do that for the neighborhood you should see the turnaround that you know people start investing and doing stuff and yeah. and you know it, i want to see that i want engagement you know what i mean um so they could follow our facebook page they can definitely on the facebook page there is like a google number that they can get a hold of me um we also have our email, which is the Heights Heritage Committee at 
gmail.com. They're more okay. than welcome to email there, ask any questions. If I don't know the answer, I definitely can get somebody to give them an answer. Um, I'm pretty accessible. If they ping you or they, what do they say, DM you, you can uh, send them my way, you know, okay. through my personal lines of channel. I'm more than happy to sit and have a conversation, even if it's a tough conversation. I'm sure. more than happy to sit and have a conversation. I'm, I I like Starbucks or Big B just like anybody else. So, um, you know what I mean? Like we can have a conversation, but they can reach us at those two main things or email or social media, Facebook page. We do have an Instagram. We have a TikTok. Um, we do have, and the uh, the TikTok is the Heights Heritage Committee too. So everything is the same. It's, I know I, it's I, okay. I will, I'll post all those things in the in the show notes so people can click on yep. them through there too. So, yep. so they, they can reach us through any of that. And I answer most of the messages. If it's not me, my cousins are doing it and they'll send them over to me if they don't have the answers. Okay. So um, the other thing I can tell you is the bigger takeaway too, is that we, so December 16th, well, August 11th was our hundred year anniversary for the neighborhood, the land yep. there. Um, August 16th, we're having an event at PHCA. Um, it'll be like this, order, December, December 16th, yeah, December 16th okay. at 12 PM. Um, we're going to have like snacks, cooking, um, decorating for the kids to take. We'll have little activities for them. We cannot have a fiesta without a piñata. So there'll be a piñata there. Um, we will definitely have information. I've asked PHCA to provide any information that the general public is allowed to partake because we have seen a lot of now, um, now that the schools are a lot involved at PHCA, um, there is, uh, a lot of kids coming from outside the community, which I think is fantastic. That was, you know, that's great to have everybody come together. So, um, take advantage of some of those programming opportunities that they have there um you know i've worked a lot with uh one of the social workers there at phca and we've we got the ged i mean i told them ged was huge we got uh, people taking the course now i think we got 10 to 12 people in the smaller class right now um but yeah so i don't know i told i totally went off but you you, (laughs) if you want to get in touch with me there's you can always find me and and i am that person that while everybody gets on me about it, I do give out my personal information because I love to talk to people and have a conversation. Um, yeah. So the things that we do coming up to be, as they would say in a novella, to be continued, um, we will be working with organizations. And I've been looking at how to grant write for our committee. Our committee oh. will eventually be a 501c3. And we're going to start to do things where we start helping the neighborhood um, have their houses come up to code and get some of the things set for them. It'll be a, it's kind of like a Habitat for Humanity mm-hmm. kind of situation. It, we won't be working with them, but we're going to be, and I'm not closing the door on it, but right now it'll be us raising funds to help better the neighborhood and get people you know, in, in good housing and, and make sure that they do choose to sell. It's they're getting their full bang for their buck and yeah. they're not having to worry about some of that stuff. So. Okay. Well, anything I can do to help, or if, if you want to come, if there's stuff that you want to talk about, you want to come back on, you know, reach out to me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm involved as much as I'm able to be. And 
We've done stuff with the football team there. Actually, we're doing it again, you know, this spring with cleanup. So any anything that you need from me or potentially could need, you know, I might not be able to help you, but maybe point you in the right direction. Just yeah. just let me know. Just let me know. Okay. Well, I appreciate everything, Lorenzo. I always appreciate your advocacy yeah. and I appreciate and make sure you let your wife know. I always appreciate you coming and, you know, volunteering your time. I know taking away from family is, is hard. So yeah. I appreciate everything. Well, yeah. Well, thanks, Leah. Thanks again for, for coming on here. Uh, and again, please uh, check out all the all the links in the show notes to, to contact them. So thanks, all right. Leah. All right. Bye. Thanks to Leah for coming on the podcast today. Um, it was a, a great conversation. Um, it was, again, like I said at the top of the show, it was really eye-opening to hear what's happening with the Perrysburg Heights community. And what basically sounds like something that can't be stopped, um, ultimately, but it, it is uh, a fight worth fighting. And if you're interested, again, check out the show notes for all their contact information, all their social medias. Um, contact me if that's easiest for you and I can put you, get you in the right spots. Uh, if you are part of the city or township and would like to come on here and talk about, uh, you give your perspective, feel free. The email is the nerdballpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, more than happy to, to talk to uh, any sides of this conversation. I said it in the podcast, this neighborhood reminds me of my dad's neighborhood and it's a, a comfortable place whenever I drop my daughter off there or I visited, I've, I've sat and talked to Leah's dad in, in their home and, you know, it's, it's a, you know, helping we, the football team help the community clean up last year. We're going to do it again this April. So it, it's an important part of Perrysburg and uh, it's, um, uh, it's, it's discern, it's concerning of what's happening there and how it's happening. I think things like this happen over time, but how it's happening, how Leah described it happening and who's doing it and what they're doing is a little concerning, uh, a lot concerning really. Um, but again, you know, this this sounds like it's an, an inevitability according to Leah, but uh, you know, they're not gonna go down fighting and, and you know, I'll help as much as I can. And if you, again, if you wanna help, check out the show notes. Um, this podcast isn't, you know, just for one side. Again, if, if someone from from the municipalities around there wants to come on here and talk about it, uh, please reach out to the Nerdball Podcast at gmail.com. Um, but but that's it. Uh, again, a great episode coming out after 200. I appreciate Leah telling us the the, the story of what's happening. Um, I hope you guys have a great week. Uh, as always, thanks to Real JP Multimedia, Cuttlefish Cuttlefish Graphics. Big Daddy Graphics and Perrysburg Junior High STEM Lab for always helping out the podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.